And we're back for another hour of the Y'all Show on this Tuesday. Getting you ready for everything Southern. I'm John Rawl, and we have a very special guest in for the first two hours of this Y'all Show. It's Mr. Kobe Bennett. You know him from the Southern Accent Reports, and he'll be in sharing some of the excitement of the Southeast. How you doing on this Tuesday, Mr. Kobe? I'm doing tired. Tired? Oh, Lord. I don't want to know why. Well, maybe we'll find out. Hey, if you're tired or you're just jumping at the bit to talk to us, we don't care. We want to hear from you here on Everything Southern. Our number is 803-816-1170. That is a number you can call or text 24 hours a day. That's one reason Kobe's tired. He's been manning that phone. But you can reach out to us any old time and share what's going on across the Southland, 803 816-1170. 816-1170. Text or call here on Y'all. On today's Y'all program, we've got a look at headlines from across the Southeast. President Biden wants to pay federal workers or those who are contracted to work for the federal government 15 bucks an hour. That'll make Bernie Sanders happy. We'll tell you about that momentarily. More developments out of Elizabeth City, North Carolina. It's getting ugly there. With the death of a man last week, we'll let you know the latest from eastern North Carolina. Also, here in this first hour of today's Y'all Show, a look at headlines across Southeast. Kobe, at Baton Rouge, things are not going good for LSU. They're in the headlines for all of the wrong reasons. Mm. And we'll tell you what those headlines are. But there is some good news. LSU gets a major hire over the weekend. Coach Mulkey comes over from Baylor. Did you hear about that? I did not, know. Yeah, she's left Baylor, where she won three national championships for the Lady Bears, and she's going to be coaching the LSU Tigers now. So we'll tell you, she had a press conference, we'll tell you a little bit about what Coach Mulkey said, the new coach of the LSU women's basketball team. That's part of our sports headlines coming up. And do you know what we're two days away from, Kobe? Uh, you might as well tell me. The NFL draft. Ah. I know you knew that. But yeah, the NFL draft's coming up here pretty soon. Most every sports talk show or really show period's talking about that. We'll share a little bit and give you a little bit of a primer as we work our way to Thursday in the 2021 NFL draft. All that is part of our sports headlines here coming up here in this hour of the Y'all Show. And then we've got food on our mind here in this first hour. And Matt Hermans, he's our barrister of bodacious barbecue. And Hermans is going to be on, not to talk about barbecue, but since we're still in the month of April right now, you know we had a little golf tournament earlier this month in a place called Augusta, Georgia. And there at the Masters, they serve up the Masters pimento cheese sandwich. And Matt Hermans is going to weigh in on pimento cheese and how they make it there, although we don't have the official recipe He's going to talk about pimento cheese and cheese in general as part of our Barrister of Bodacious Barbecue Report coming up here in this first hour of the Y'all Show. Now, are you going to be able to survive talking about pimento cheese? Oh, you know it. I love pimento cheese. You do? My mom's got her own homemade version of it. It's oh, pretty good. Why didn't you bring us some? Because uh, you didn't make it. Come any, on, Mom. <laughs> Come on, Mom. You're slacking up on us. No, I'm okay with that. I'm not Actually, I'm not the world's biggest pimento cheese fan, but I'm willing to give everybody's a chance, okay? Even your mamas. Also, this hour, we got a Southern political report, and we'll let you know about the 2020 census results. That's just come out, and it's going to shape how some of our states get congressional representatives as well as the electoral count for each state. 
and we'll have a little bit of info on that here in this hour of the y'all show plus some news out of georgia doug jones says he's not going to run for governor nor will he run for senate in the state of georgia and if you don't know who doug jones is i would put him in a category that he might be the most responsible person not donald trump but he might be the most responsible person out there for having the u.s senate now be blue instead of red why i'll tell you as part of our southern political political report coming up later this hour of the y'all show and when we get to hour two today we've got more entertainment headlines i know kobe was able to watch a little bit of the oscars even saw one of those oscar winning documentaries we'll ask him about that the numbers are in for the oscars of 2021 and they were not very good not not the lowest they've ever had and then miranda lambert she got back on stage here over the weekend and she cried and i'll tell you about that as part of our entertainment headlines we also have hashtag hullabaloo coming up hour two and kobe who does a great job at y'all.com we're going to get an update from him on some of the latest stories posted on the home page of the south and in hour three of today's y'all show oh it's going to be good art cruz will be back on patrol here on the show that covers everything southern and art's going to come in and talk a little baseball with us about the changing rules going on in baseball also he's going to talk about the supreme court case about getting involved in the second amendment that was some developing news that happened on monday and art who is a lawyer is going to be coming in and sharing his thoughts on the second amendment case going before the supreme court in the future so all that is part of our fun in hour three of today's y'all show and oh yeah by the way even though he won't be in with us the whole hour kobe bennett also will be appearing in hour three as he'll have a southern accent on arts all that right here on the y'all show kobe we got you working hard today yeah yeah you do (laughs) yeah yeah he's over there wiping the sweat off his brow right now and that's quite all right that's what we do we work hard for y'all here and we're glad to do it this is the show again all about the south and if you fancy yourself a southerner or you're just a southerner at heart we think here on y'all you'll have something that you'll enjoy hearing all about and we're glad to do it all right let's get into the headlines across the south here on the y'all show and we'll start off again with the news that president joe biden says he's going to sign a 15 dollar minimum wage for federal contract the laborers that work for the federal government and this provides a pay bump to hundreds of thousands of workers as the administration of biden said the higher wages would lead to greater work productivity offsetting any additional cost to taxpayers. I'm not so sure about that. The official spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss private conversations ahead of today's signing. Officials there from the administration could not provide an exact figure on how many workers for federal contractors would receive a raise, only that it would be hundreds of thousands. According to Brookings Institutions, there's an estimated 5 million contract workers in the federal government. And sadly, here at the All Show, we're not one of those 5 million workers. The increase could be dramatic for workers who earn the current minimum of ten ninety-five an hour. So you're talking $4.05 increase, a 37% pay hike for those working as federal contractors for the government as he's going to have an executive order signed President Joe Biden. And this fulfills one of his promises and also the fact that things are going up. In fact, He's looking to increase taxes. He's going to have a big State of the Union address on Wednesday in Washington, D.C. So 
if uh, you don't mind paying a little extra, somebody's got to offset these costs. And right now, President Biden willing to have a $15 minimum wage for federal contract workers go into effect. Now to Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Ugly story there last week. Andrew Brown Jr. was shot by police, by the sheriff's deputies there of Pascatank County in North Carolina. This is way in the northeastern corner of the state, not all that far from Norfolk, Virginia. Protests continued Monday evening, nearly a week after this black man was killed by deputies there in Pascatank North County, North Carolina. And the protest took place several hours after the family of Andrew Brown Jr. said they were only allowed to see a small portion of police body cameras of that April 21st shooting. And a lot of people came into the town and were protesting. In fact, some people ended up going to the home of the county attorney, R. Michael Cox, and protested there at his home over Monday evening. Now, Bakari Sellers, who has appeared on CNN for many years, he's a lawyer, he's from South Carolina, and he's an attorney for Brown's family. He previously claimed Cox tried to keep lawyers for Brown's family from viewing the footage, and then Sellers criticized Cox and police for showing only 20 seconds of the video. Sellers also claimed Cox used profanity during a meeting with attorneys and members of Brown's family. And Bakari Sellers said, We went back and forth, and I just wanted to say I've never been talked to like I was talked to in there. I don't know his name, but I went back, I went to the back, and I know that we're live on the news around the world, so I will say that Mr. Cox told me, a grown black man, that he was not effing going to be bullied, and so I walked out. Now, Sellers is there in North Carolina in Elizabeth City representing the Brown family, but also you've got the attorney that's represented George Floyd, You've also got the attorney who's we've seen recently represent George Floyd's family, and that's the attorney out of Tallahassee, Florida, Mr. Benjamin Crump. He's now back on the scene. So Crump has become like the guy that you see on all these major cases with a black person being killed by law enforcement, and now he's gone from Milwaukee, not Milwaukee, he's gone from Minneapolis to Elizabeth City now to work on this case of Andrew brown jr that's an ugly story and we will keep our eye on what's going on in eastern north carolina with this story an update coming out of another officer involved killing of a black man a court is now set to hear the appeal of a dallas police officer a former dallas police officer who killed her neighbor a neighbor we're talking about amber geiger you might remember she was the dallas police officer that had a apartment in a four, like a four-story building and she claimed she went into the wrong apartment, just, I think, to the uh, floor below her, and she killed this man. And, I, I mean, I thought it was just an honest mistake. But she was found guilty. A court in the Dallas area is scheduled to hear arguments today on overturning the conviction of this former Dallas police officer who was sentenced to prison for fatally shooting her neighbor in his home. Amber Geiger's attorney and prosecutors are set to go before an appeals court over whether the evidence was sufficient to prove that the 2018 shooting of Botham Jean was indeed murder. The hearing before a panel of judges will examine a Dallas County jury's 2019 decision to sentence Geiger to 10 years in prison for murder. And this comes after a jury's finding that a former Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, was guilty of murdering George Floyd. And that, that, that case there likely to be appealed to, but... 
a development coming out of Texas with this killing of Botham Jean. Now Amber Geiger and her attorney are appearing before a judge today. Moving on with stories across the southeast. Hey, if you've wanted to go on a cruise lately, you haven't been able to. But, Kobe, we've got some good news coming out of the Sunshine State. Yeah, so in Florida, um, Senators uh, Scott and Rubio are trying to bring back the cruise liners um, with all these airports and hotels flooding up now. Uh, they figure, hey, it's the right time to bring back the cruises. So they're trying to set a 4th of July goal, and uh, hopefully they'll get the cruise liners up and running again. Yeah. That, that is what they're looking to do. Have you been on a cruise? I have not, no. Okay. I've been on one, and I'm not a big fan. If you're a big fan of cruises and you can't wait till the 4th of July to get on a big old boat, 803-816-1170. Hit us up. Tell us that you're ready to go, mask or no mask. But, yeah, there. remember it was the cruise lines that first kind of we, – we first in many ways found out about the coronavirus. Remember that one that was yeah, in yeah, San yeah. Francisco? Yeah, uh, my folks were telling me about uh, they knew some people that uh, were on one of these cruise liners, and basically they hitting shore. They got back in the middle of the pandemic, so all this new restrictions and stuff just came out of nowhere after hitting land. It was <laughs> ridiculous. So Senator Rick Scott, Florida, and Marco Rubio, Florida, they're trying to push hard for – cruise ships to show back up in florida and take people from all over the country really all over the i guess north america frankly to go out into the the gulf of mexico and or the atlantic and go set sail is what i'm trying to say here yeah as america and the rest of the world is trying to get their sea legs you like how i put that yeah 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 and yes right now rick scott battling with the centers for disease control as he said he's still waiting for answers from the cdc as to when the cruise ship industry can start sailing again the cdc shut down the cruise ship industry in march of 2020 after major outbreaks on cruise ships but at least they've kind of draw they've drawn the line in the ocean and said we want to get these cruise ships up and going starting on the 4th of july that would be a great way to celebrate the country's birthday yeah yeah um not a too huge fan of uh cruise liners well you hadn't been on one i haven't been on one no but i've done uh research on them for uh some school projects Ah. they're apparently they dump a crap ton of raw sewage (laughs) into the ocean pun intended there yeah yeah. exactly yeah all right kobe bennett everybody okay let's go to stone mountain in georgia and an update there on this state park the giant confederate carving upon the mountain outside of atlanta and now the stone mountain memorial association's ceo bill stevens He's presented a proposal to the park's board saying Stone Mountain needed to change to remain financially viable, but, quote, couldn't cancel history. The board did not immediately vote on any of the recommendations from him. But, yes, this place here, a wonderful spot northeast of Atlanta because of its size. They put on fireworks there and light shows and more. A real tourism draw. And I remember the billboards from 20 years ago that they had around Atlanta, and they had a, a picture of the mountain that said the South's biggest rock group of, of being the, the Confederate figures there of Jefferson Davis, Stonewall Jackson, and Robert E. Lee. But, of course, just like else, everything else CSA-related, it's come under scrutiny here in the last few years. And right now, it looks like some of the proposed changes to Stone Mountain Park would be to eliminate 
any kind of Confederate flags on display there and to also recognize that that site of Stone Mountain Park has been a site of of Ku Klux Klan rallies. In fact, I think it was in the 1920s the largest Klan rally ever happened there, and it was sort of a a reboom or restart of the KKK of that time period. I think I'm right on that. Of course, you could look at the other side, and just last year we saw a massive demonstration of um, black supremacists, if you will. They were like a motorcycle gang, big hundreds of them that showed up there. So you, you've got people of all ilk that have come into Stone Mountain throughout the years, but this park is at least willing to recognize that and to make some changes, but they say they're not going to carve out that big Stone Mountain carving that took, I think, more than a decade to make. I think you'll have to go look up your carving and people like this. I think it was done by the same guy that did Mount Rushmore. Mm. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Uh, well, the guys who did Mount Rushmore, it was two people. The guy started it, and then his son finished it Okay. For him. Uh, well, so. I, I think this one, in some ways, is pretty – I mean, they're both impressive. I've not seen Mount Rushmore in person, but I've seen Stone Mountain, and it's extremely impressive. And right now, this, again, is a state park of Georgia. That's part of the reason the, the, the stone, the – the, the representation of the two generals and President Davis are protected under Georgia state law. And so the association is willing to make some changes and adapt to some stuff, but not willing to necessarily cover and or blow up the depiction of these Confederate figures there in the state of Georgia. Sad news from the Georgia-Alabama line as three bodies have been found in a submerged car at Lake Eufaula, which is where the Chattahoochee River heads right through that part of both Alabama and Georgia. A passerby spotted the car in the water at a park in Eufaula. As the chief of police there, Steve Watkins, said that officials checked the vehicle and determined that three bodies were inside after they began working to remove the vehicle from the water. And that is a, a bad story coming out of that part of both Georgia and Alabama Lake, you follow three bodies found inside a car, and they're working on an investigation to find out how that car ended up there at the lake. And we have three deaths as a result. Hey, we're just a few days away from the running of the Kentucky Derby. And Governor Andy Bashir of the Commonwealth of Kentucky has named this week Ed Brown Society Week in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And go ahead, ask the big question there, Kobe. Who the heck is Ed Brown, you ask? Go yes. ahead. Who, who the heck is Ed Brown? Ed Brown is a person who had something to do with horse racing, and Ed Brown also happens to be a black man. The Ed Brown Society is named after Edward D. Brown, who was born into slavery in Lexington, Kentucky in 1850 and later became one of the most accomplished black horsemen in the history of thoroughbred Racing. So here we have the governor of Kentucky recognizing the important contributions of blacks in the horse racing industry. Of course, if you know anything about horses, I mean, it takes a it takes a village to literally keep those multi million dollar animals going. And even back in the nineteenth century, people like Ed Brown were employed and did things. Again, this guy was born into slavery, but if he was born in eighteen fifty, he was fifteen years old when. The Civil War came to an end, so I'm assuming in his adult life is when he was involved in thoroughbred racing and more. And so a good gesture there by the governor of Kentucky to 
recognize Edward D. Brown of Lexington, Kentucky, and proclaiming that this week, right here, leading up to the Kentucky Derby, is Edward or Ed Brown Society Week in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, which I've got to look this up real quick, Kobe. Good, good Lord, I can't believe it, but it is possible that we've got the Kentucky Derby taking place this weekend. Surely I'm wrong on that, but but we're, remember, this Saturday is the first day of May. May first yeah. is this Saturday, so let me check. Let me check it. It seems like it might be the following yep, week. Yep, it's May first. All right. Sure well, enough. we've got the Kentucky Derby this Saturday. Yes, it is. The running of the thoroughbreds will be happening at five fifty Central Time, six fifty Lexi or Louisville time. The Kentucky Derby taking place at the one hundred forty seventh renewal of the greatest two minutes in sports is this Saturday. See, I didn't think that we were that close to the derby but here we are it's derby week let me go get my seersucker and bow tie on for you kobe <laughs> and you don't have to do that yourself no that's fine i like wearing a bow tie well it, it's, it's classy a, it's a sure sign we're getting to summer kobe one of the sure signs of summer is something that happens in the commonwealth of virginia wild ponies but unfortunately not the best of news coming from the commonwealth of virginia yeah, so down in Chincoteague, they usually have this traditional wild pony swim where the Ch- Chincoteague uh, Volunteer Fire Department go to Assateague Island nearby and uh, they corral the wild ponies down there and have them swim across over to Chincoteague. And unfortunately this year, because of the pandemic, it's been canceled. Uh, and this is the first time it's been canceled since uh, World War II. So they had it last year? Uh, I guess so. I think so, yeah. Gosh. Well, that won't happen. That's a, an annual rite of passage. And some of those islands, again, this is in the Chesapeake area, but I've been to eastern North Carolina around Moorhead City. There's an island there that wild ponies are on, and I've seen them swim, and it's really a neat thing to see. And a lot of these, I know, I know there in North Carolina, those wild horses go back to the early Spanish settlers brought those things into the area, and so they have an amazing history and unfortunately, there at Chincoteague in Virginia, no wild pony swim this year. I don't like to hear of that. But what I do like to hear is the sound of the show that covers everything Southern. And the Y'all Show is going to continue on with our mission to educate and give you a little bit of, of everything Southern here on the Y'all Show. And we'll do that. We've got some sports headlines we'll be getting to right after the break. So stay where you are on this, the show that covers everything Southern. From the Golden Band from Tigerland, this is y'all, and we're talking a little college sports and more. John Rawl in with Kobe Bennett today, and we've got your Southern Sports Update, 
And LSU fans, I know you're excited to hear that music, but you're not going to be too excited to hear about some of the headlines coming out of Baton Rouge. Is my goodness, over the weekend, an LSU great of yesteryear essentially gets thrown out of Baton Rouge and more bad stories falling from the LSU less miles of 2013 time period and more. Kobe, have you have you kind of kept up with this stuff? Uh, not with the recent stuff, no. But I, uh, my dad was a is an LSU grad, so I, uh, I knew. I'm sure miles, he's proud. And, uh, no, no. <laughs> All right, let, let me tell people what's been going on in case you have not kept up with LSU sports here just the last couple of days. All right, you remember the name Darius Geis? He was a running back for LSU. He's now been banned from LSU, and the longtime law firm that represented LSU for, gosh, decades has been fired as the Louisiana State University is struggling to recover from an ongoing sexual harassment scandal that involved allegations against former coach Les Miles and is right now, it, I mean, the fallout is just continuing to, to happen. Les Miles, of course, had moved on to be the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, and then they fired him because of what happened back in Baton Rouge, and then they fired the athletic director at KU for his connections to Les Miles in the same time period. But star running back Darius Geis has been banned indefinitely from the athletics program, this according to a school spokesperson. The university is also cutting ties with its longtime law firm, Taylor Porter. And these decisions are coming as a result of LSU making changes in response to a report in March which detailed systemic failures by LSU to appropriately report incidents of athletic-related sexual misconduct and abuse. Now, Geis was charged in three separate domestic violence incidents in 2020, and two women accused him of sexual assault while he was a freshman for the Bayou Bengals back in 2016. A third LSU student alleged in 2016 that Geis had taken a partially nude photo of her without her knowledge and then showed the pictures to his teammates. The school has plans to remove Darius Geis from their record books. It's like he never was there. Yeah, I'm sure all yeah. the opponents that suited up against Geis wish he was not there now that they look back at what happened there. This report called the Hush Blackwell Report also revealed that former LSU Athletic Director Joe Oliva recommended back in 2013 that Les Miles be fired as head coach of the football program after accusations of inappropriate behavior with female student workers. So the LSU Board of Supervisors have a lot of splaining to do, and they've got a lot going on there as this fallout continues. But to essentially fire Darius Geis, a hero for LSU in the backfield a few years ago, to tell him he's banned from the program. And then the law firm Taylor Porter – based in Baton Rouge, by the way, had been LSU's law firm for the past 80 years. And because they were essentially, a, it looks like, covering up for the athletics program, they are being wiped out, it looks like, in this ongoing story, an ugly story coming to us from LSU. Now, another story out of LSU in Baton Rouge. Seven women are now suing LSU, alleging violations in how Title IX complaints were handled there at LSU and the university's former president and athletic director are amongst those where this class action lawsuit is going against them as well as it's LSU's fundraising group 
named as defendants according to this lawsuit. According to the 118-page lawsuit document, the women attended LSU at some point from 2013 to 2021 and were, quote, victims of sex-based discrimination, including rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment, and or stalking perpetrated by male LSU students. The women include three former LSU tennis players, two former student workers in the football recruiting office, a former student and a college or a current student there enrolled at LSU and Baton Rouge. These people allege a conspiracy by the defendants, and again, the defendants are the university's former president, athletic director, and LSU's fundraising group. They allege a conspiracy by the defendants to keep them quiet and, quote, deprive them of their constitutional and federal rights in order to protect the reputation and income of LSU athletics. The group of women are seeking more than $5 million in damages plus court costs. A developing story in this lawsuit states that the majority of the women weren't able to report their incidents to the university's Title IX office because LSU employees discouraged or even overtly prevented them from doing so. So, yes, they... Another bad situation for LSU, at least playing out from a legal standpoint on the Baton Rouge campus. Can I at least tell LSU fans something positive, Kobe? Please, please do. It's Kim Mulkey. She is a Louisiana native, and she's coming back across the Sabine River, I believe that's what it is. And uh, she's going to be coaching the LSU women's basketball program. She had been the coach at Baylor yeah, and I, won three national championships. You actually wrote about yeah, the I did. Uh, Baylor she, women's program. She's got a storied history with the Lady Bears. Uh, she's taken them through, like, I want to say 20. But that's probably overestimating. I think it might be more like 11. 11 uh, like, ter- NCAA tournaments, and uh, they came out uh, winners in all of them, so. Uh, there's they have an unprecedented winning streak uh, in college women's basketball. And Kim Mulkey moving over from the Big 12 to the SEC. And on Monday she appeared at an introductory press conference there at the PMAC, the Pete Maravich Assembly Center on the LSU campus. And right there in attendance, not only did she have LSU fans, but she had the entire LSU women's basketball team there, school administrators and coaches, and West Point alumnus and current governor, John Bell Edwards in attendance at this press conference. At one point in the press conference, Coach Mulkey told the players to look at the five women's Final Four banners hanging at the PMAC, and guess what? She said, nowhere on there does it say national champion. That's what I came here to do. Mulkey won three NCAA titles in 21 seasons in Waco at Baylor University. Also, she won 12 regular season and 11 Big 12 tournament titles in her time coaching the Lady Bears. An amazing run, and now she moves on to be the head coach at LSU. I do have to wonder, her daughter, who was a star player for her and had been an assistant coach, I wonder if her daughter, who doesn't have the same last name, it would be considered to be a potential replacement for Mulkey at Baylor, or will she go on and be with her mom coaching LSU? I am not mm-hmm. sure. I know that the daughter also has a young child or maybe even two children. So uh, you'd have to think she's probably going to go to Baton Rouge because I know Coach Mulkey and her husband, big fans of that grandchild or grandchildren, yeah. as most <laughs> grandparents would be. Uh, I don't think she wants to have her back in Waco if she doesn't have to. But, yeah, congratulations to Coach Kim Mulkey and the Baylor 
basketball program. You're seeing a lot of movement on the women's basketball side. I know we talk about men's basketball and the big money in terms of coaches and more, but here in the last year I can think of a couple of of moves. And in one case we saw a Big 12 coach coming to the SEC, Mulkey coming over from Baylor to LSU. Last season we saw Vic uh Vic is it Schaefer? Vic Schaefer being uh, led to Austin to be the head coach of Texas, and he had been the head coach at Mississippi State. So, yeah, and he didn't go down there, Kobe, just to have some good barbecue and have a brisket. He went down there because they ponied up. And I know he didn't go down there for the fun of it because the coach who had been at Mississippi State had been at Texas A&M a long time and is a Aggie alum. So, you know, to go coach the rival Longhorns, they would have had to pay him a few pesos yeah, yeah. to get down to Austin to do that. So you're seeing the women's game step up and, and really be competitive in their quest to, to improve the wins in the column. All right. The new Atlanta Falcons GM is Terry Fontenot. Remember in the offseason, the Atlanta Falcons got rid of the coach. They brought in Arthur Smith. They brought in a new GM in Fontenot as coach, uh, as, as the ownership there, Mr. Blank is determined to have a championship team in Atlanta, Georgia. And the GM Fontenot says the Atlanta Falcons would actually listen to offers for Julio Jones as they would for any player. So this star receiver, former Alabama Crimson Tide wideout, could be a bargaining chip if Atlanta wanted to do some maneuvering here as we work our way to the NFL draft. And that's two days away. Two days away You'll see where Atlanta goes in the draft. You'll see what the number one overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, do they indeed get Trevor Lawrence to be their first pick in the draft? But, yeah, we're we're essentially at that point of the calendar, and I'm excited. I love watching the NFL draft, and I even like the little sound they make when the, a new draft pick comes in. Yeah, I like that. I'm impressed that you would know that because um, it you got to really be paying attention frankly it's kind of subdued there yeah, it's in the, in background. the background yeah, yeah yeah and last year with it being virtual it was a kind of weird but i've said it before i'll say it again the nfl did a, an amazing job last year they were the first uh, sort of the first guinea pig to try to do something that big on a virtual scene having the draft at the time that they did and i thought yeah. it went over pretty darn well yeah i'd say so i'd I like to keep an eye out for whatever the outlandish outfits they always choose to wear, you know? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, they'll be doing that for sure. And that is a quick look at sports across the southeast here on a Tuesday. We've got some more sports news we'll pass along as we continue on with today's y'all show. But food also is something pretty near and dear to all of us here in the Southland. And when we come back on the Y'all Show, our barbecue barrister, we're going to kind of turn food into a sports topic as the Masters is known for its pimento cheese in the month of April. And we can't let this month come to an end without giving pimento cheese sandwiches and cheese in general a good spotlight. So we'll do that when the Y'all Show continues after the break. Hit us up again. Our number, 803-816-1170. Text us, y'all. We'll be right back.
You know, we just couldn't let the month of April come to an end without giving that song right there a spin. Oh, my goodness. I love the Masters, and I bet a lot of you out there enjoy tuning in to CBS each year to see those azaleas in bloom and find out what's going on there at the course that the great Bobby Jones built along the banks of the Savannah River in Augusta, Georgia. I'm John Rawl. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, joined by Kobe Bennett of y'all.com here today and when the masters arrives in most years outside of these last two years kobe it's a wonderful thing to go and see the golf course if you're lucky enough to be a patron but one of the great features of augusta national that often is overlooked besides great golf is great food and affordable food there at augusta national golf club and one of the Featured items on that menu for a dollar fifty is the cost. You can get the Augusta National Masters pimenta cheese sandwich. Now, what do you think of pimenta cheese, Kobe Bennett? I'm a pretty big fan of it. Uh, as I said earlier, my mom, you know, she makes a homemade pimento cheese. She makes it with a she makes her own homemade bread, Asiago cheese bread. Yeah, spread it on some of that. You're putting on some ham or some other type of meat on with it. It's delicious. It's like its own condiment, but also the cheese. So it's it's a two and we get a two in one deal with pimento cheese for the most All part. All right. Well, if you go to y'all.com, the website that Kobe is a contributor for, Google Masters Pimento Cheese Sandwich, and you'll see an article penned by Clark Shelton that gives what we think is the recipe, but we can't actually prove it's the recipe because Augusta National like a lot of things they do they kind of keep that under their green jacket and so i can't prove it's the actual recipe but it it must be pretty darn close and so right now our barbecue barrister of the y'all show is matt hermans and he's on to talk about this master's pimenta cheese sandwich and maybe look at the recipe up at y'all.com compare notes and see what's going on again this thing in the real world is actually a darn secret, but we're here at the Y'all Show to tell you as much as we can. Our sources tell us that this is a pretty good facsimile of the famous pimento cheese sandwich at the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. So Matt Hermans is on the Y'all Show with cheese instead of barbecue on his mind. Again, we hope that, Matt, this thing's going to be as close as possible to what we find at Augusta National Golf Club. Welcome back to the Y'all Show, Matt Hermans. It's always good to have you a part of the show, barbecue or pimento cheese on the top of your brain, sir. We've done our best here at y'all.com to come up with the best, the closest thing to the so-called original recipe. And so I'm going to tell you what the ingredients are, and then you tell me if you agree or if you might kind of mix it up. And those ingredients include three cups of shredded white cheddar cheese. White cheddar cheese. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. I love white cheddar. Okay. So in addition to three cups of shredded white cheddar cheese, two cups of shredded yellow sharp cheddar cheese. What is the biggest difference between a white cheddar and a yellow sharp cheddar? White cheddar is really sharp, too. Usually uh, a white cheddar is is extra extra sharp typically you're talking about a um a, a very sharp white cheddar cheese vermont white cheddar there's no such thing as a white cheddar cheese it's not really really sharp which of course means it's kind of got that sour kind of kick that gets you kind of in the back of the, the mouth right here when you eat it so 
Look at the white cheddar. It's really, really sharp. Even sharper than uh, sharp yellow. Okay. All right. So you, we now know our two different cheeses. Matt Hermans, we're not done with the cheese talk from you. Included also in this pimento cheese recipe for the Masters, four ounces of crumbled... What what cheese would you guess here? Ooh, crumbled, huh? Jack cheese? Not blue cheese. Oh, wow. Oh, I did not expect that. That came out of me. Okay. Well, the Masters has a way of doing that. So you got white cheddar, yellow sharp cheese, and now crumbled blue cheese. Four ounces of that. You also aren't done. Of course, if you're going to have a pimento cheese sandwich, you need to have pimentos, right? And this ingredient for the recipe here is a four-ounce jar, just one four-ounce jar. I assume that's how they come in the grocery store. A four-ounce jar of sliced pimentos, then drained. Are you okay with that? Yeah, you got to drain them. Uh, I mean, the things are full of water, so... Um Last thing you want is a liquidy, uh, you know, cheese. We've kind of talked about the liquid stuff you get at the store. You don't want any part of that. So I think grading, very smart move by the folks in the guest. Okay. And then another ingredient, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. They don't list this particular brand, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. A part of this recipe for your pimento cheese sandwich from the Masters is a cup of light mayo. Now, let me throw in here, and this is a big problem right now with the coronavirus. I'm getting reports from throughout the South that we're running low on Duke's mayonnaise. So something tells me that the Augusta National folks likely use Duke's mayonnaise in their mayo for these pimento cheese sandwiches. Would you agree with that? I've got a uh, a quart of Duke's in my fridge right now. So I'd say that's a pretty good guess, although there's probably some blue plate folks out there kind of uh, getting fired up about that also. Well, keep in mind, Duke's mayonnaise heritage is just across that Savannah River over in South Carolina, and blue plate wasn't around back when the Masters got going in the 1930s from a guy named Bobby Jones. So chances are it's Duke's mayonnaise, although that's not listed here in the official ingredients. And then, of course, if you're going to have a sandwich, Matt Earman's, you need to also have a little mustard on there. They've got two tablespoons of Dijon mustard as part of the mix. Does that surprise you? It's Dijon. It does. Yeah, mustard. Um, mustard's a little bit of a surprise. But that's, oh, you um, think mustard? Period's a surprise. On a cheese sandwich, I would say that's a lot of the ordinary. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're trying to brighten up your life here, give you something to look forward to. So you got your, your Dijon mustard. And that's a weird word for me to look at because the first two letters of the word Dijon are D-I and then my name. So it's almost like Dijon. And, uh, okay, I get it. All right. And then lastly, the last ingredient, if you're going to have a sandwich here or some of us in the South say a sandwich, you need some bread. And they recommend as part of the masters a loaf of white bread. Probably don't want to go around and asking for like whole wheat bread when you're dealing with a master's pimento cheese sandwich i'm saying very very strong agree with the white bread <laughs> <laughs> and then you you mix it all together and you put it into a bowl mix it up and you don't use a blender are you surprised by that recommendation Can't hey, use a blender yeah that'll, that'll that'll you want the chunks yeah you gotta have the threads yeah right and another thing about a pimento cheese sandwich, it does take a few hours. It's not like you can go in there and whip it up real quick and instantly eat it. You got to let it be refrigerated. You got to cover it up, put it in the fridge for about six to eight hours, 
and then add your pimentos after you do all that mix it in then you can enjoy it and something tells me if you're at the masters chances are that's not going to be an extremely cold pimento cheese sandwich so or is the perfect pimento cheese sandwich something that's actually been sitting out just a little bit more where it's room temperature I like it close to room temperature. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a cold pimento cheese sandwich. I don't think you want it too warm, but okay. uh, I would kind of lean towards closer to room temperature. It's about perfect. Okay. And since it is something, again, served in this case at the Masters where it's outdoors, with all these cheeses, is that something you need to be real sensitive about, about keeping it out in the heat too much where it might cause you to have, let's say, problems down the road? Um, I, you might, I mean, more than the cheese, I think maybe the, the mayo, but uh, if it's chilled, you're not going to have a problem. I mean, unless it's out there 24 hours or something, okay. but something tells me they're not going to last that long for dollar Well, good news for me, and, and again, one of the ingredients in this is mayonnaise, and the other day, I don't know what I was doing because of this darn virus, I was stuck here at the house trying to come up with some interesting things to eat, and I had pulled out my mayonnaise, and I left it out for about four hours. I totally forgot that it was there. And then I stuck it back in the refrigerator. I didn't get sick. Am I okay with leaving mayonnaise out for about four hours? I got to be honest with you. I've been experimenting, experimenting with that uh, not on purpose for years. <laughs> I, think, I think you're good. I think four hours is, uh, I've gone longer than that. So I think you're, I think you're okay. You're well, I don't want to get sick with the coronavirus, but the last thing I want to do is have to go to the hospital and possibly uh, check out because I ate awful mayonnaise caused by me being forgetful and leaving it out. Let's hope that doesn't happen to me. And obviously, if you say it's happened to you before, you're still going, blowing and going too, right? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Well, we're happy about that. Matt Hermans, we are happy. Thank you, sir. Our barbecue barrister giving us the lowdown on pimento cheese sandwiches at the Masters and some helpful tips when it comes to mayonnaise. Duke's mayonnaise is something special here in the South that we'll tell you from time to time about. They even got their own bowl game now in Charlotte. We've got more of the Y'all Show coming up after the break. We've got a quick look at southern politics the census results came out on monday how is that going to affect y'all we'll tell you also news out of the state of georgia politically we'll be telling you about all that as the y'all show continues on y'all talking about the south and in this case we'll be talking about all y'all here with the census bureau announcing on monday the results of just how many folks are in the good old us of a i'm john rawl we got kobe bennett here and we thank you for being a part of the show that covers everything southern so kobe i'm gonna let you take a stab the census came out on monday with the results of just how many folks are in the country take a stab of how many millions of people call the us of a home at least officially call it home 
Obviously, it's going to be somewhere. And the number's going up. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to say probably not a full billion, but I'm going to say somewhere around like 750 million people oh, plus. so close, so close. But you're about uh, doubling the number. It's 331 is the latest number. Of course, the census takes place every decade, and census is used to determine the amount of Congressional seats across the country and electoral college and all that kind of fun stuff. But yes, 331. And some states gain, some states lose. Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon will each gain one seat in Congress. And if they gain, somebody's on the short end of the stick. One of those is a southern state. California loses a congressional seat, as well as Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and on the fringe of Dixie, West Virginia is going to lose a congressional seat ahead of the 2022 midterm election. So that the news from the population growth that happened between 2010 and 2020. By the way, that was the slowest, or rather the second slowest population growth the country has seen since back in 1930 to 40. That was a slow growth period. What's going on? We're not having babies, evidently, or too many of us are dying or something's going on, Kobe. I'm, I'm holding you personally responsible for what's happened to our country. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happened. The, the census out, the results from Monday heading out. All right. President Trump, remember him? He has backed Susan Wright to replace her late husband in Texas's 6th Congressional District. Speaking of Congress, the former president's endorsement in this special election comes in a large field of nearly two dozen candidates. But President Trump, I would say, not really going out on a limb there, picking the late, the, uh, the former congressman's spouse. But that's who he's choosing to go for here in this 6th Congressional District. In fact, this former representative passed away of coronavirus, Ron Wright, and now his widow will be the person that President Trump says that he'll be supporting there to carry on his legacy in Washington, D.C. Another person in the Trump alumni section is Doug Collins. Remember Doug Collins, the guy that was a big proponent of Trump in the House impeachment of 2019? Well, this Trump ally chose to run for Senate last year against a fellow Republican in Kelly Loeffler, who was the sitting senator from Georgia at the time, and then a guy named Raphael Warnock decided to get in on the same race. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I have not really heard too many people say it. This is nothing too bold. But I blame Doug Collins' arrogance for the reason we have Raphael Warnock as a senator from Georgia right now and the fact that the U.S. Senate is technically democratic controlled and the reason he got into that to go up against kelly loffler when his popularity was pretty high she was the sitting senator and because one of those two didn't bow out they ended up having to have a runoff and then in the runoff warnock won there shouldn't be a Raphael warnock if you're a conservative in georgia you have to think that doug collins is the reason that that senate seat flipped from red to blue that's just my opinion but i I don't think it's too crazy of an opinion well doug collins says he will not be running for either senate or the georgia governor's seat which will be up both of those in 2022 so some news out of the peach state politically here as we have our southern political spotlight 
of the y'all show west virginia the mountain state's going to give people under the age of 35 a hundred dollar savings bonds for getting vaccinated kobe i think you might fit that category yeah hey yeah. if you want I, I could use some cash move to west virginia and they'll give you a hundred dollars how about that? Might be worth it. Governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, on Monday signed three anti-abortion bills in the law, including one that would mean doctors who performed the procedure could be charged with homicide. That's a pretty big one right there coming mm-hmm. out of the state of Oklahoma. To the state of Tennessee, I apologize. I got the city wrong. You know, to me, as a guy who's lived in both middle and west Tennessee, I just kind of put this lady in the west Tennessee category when indeed she's actually a Middle Tennessean. But last week, Thelma Harper, a state senator in the state of Tennessee, known for wearing her hats there in Nashville, she died at the age of 80, and she actually is a Nashvilleian, not a Memphian. I apologize to the legacy of state senator Thelma Harper of Nashville, longtime Democratic lawmaker, again, known for wearing her wonderful hats there in Nashville on the hill and that is a quick look at southern political news here on this tuesday y'all show covering sports news politics and pimento cheese sandwiches when we come back hour two of the y'all show is queued up and coming at you we got a quick look at the oscars of 2021 oh the ratings were not so good we'll get kobe's take on that also hashtag hobaloo is headed your way and more headlines from across the southeast plus kobe bennett's got a y'all.com update all that on y'all y'all got another hour of y'all talk with an accent on everything southern with john rawl and a special co-writer here in today i haven't seen your id sir you know you gotta show id for everything you do kobe bennett's in with us here on this tuesday y'all show kobe's gonna give us a update on y'all.com some stories he's posted there from spacex that was launched what friday of last week saturday something like that yeah 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 uh Mr. Musk. Yeah, yeah. He, they launched our latest uh, shuttle up over Cape Canaveral, uh, lit up the sky April 23rd. Yes, so. sir. We'll get the take on what's up on the website about that. Plus, also, the tragic story of the ship that that uh, sank off of the coast of Louisiana. You've got something up about that. And a lot of other fun stuff at y'all.com, the homepage of the South. Kobe Bennett's in with us for this hour. And also, in addition to Kobe appearing on the Y'all Show Hour 2, we've got entertainment headlines, the Oscars. My goodness, the ratings were plummeting this year, the lowest they've had maybe ever since the birth of television, perhaps. That uh, headline is headed your way. Plus, Miranda Lambert got back on stage here over the weekend, and she cried. I'll let you know about that. Where's Mike Doles when you need to tell him a Miranda Lambert news? Yes, 
We've got that also in this hour, hashtag hullabaloo. This is where we go on social media and we find things that are either shared to us, for us, or about us, and we share it with y'all. And if you want to share something with us, news or gossip or just something helpful, we welcome that feedback, our number to text that to and or to call us. Operators are standing by. Kobe's over here just manning the phones. Can't wait to talk to y'all. 803-816-1170 is the way to do that. And also, you can email us, mail, M-A-I-L. I don't know if you can if you spell it M-A-L if it'll come to us or not, but we'll we'll just say it the, 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 the way you spell mail if something comes to you from the U.S. Postal Service, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. It's how you can email us if you've got something you want to say. But we've got hashtag hullabaloo coming up your way this hour, plus more headlines from across the region. And, again, Kobe will be on with us with an update on the website before the hour is up. And don't forget, hour three today, Art Cruz is going to be dropping by, talking about the Supreme Court and the Second Amendment, in addition to some sports news. Baseball is going to be changing things up. And Art's going to have something to say about that. All that here on Y'all, an accent about the South is what we do. Okay, I may have said this, and if I said it, I said it in error. Kobe, you did not watch the Oscars, but I know you wanted to, right? Eh, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the Oscars, mind you. Oh, I come think. on! I mean, it's a lot of just self congratulatory kind of stuff, yeah. where they're just like, "Here's a reward for this, and here's a reward for that," and it's more like, and I feel like they don't give enough credit to some of some of the backbone of the whole industry. Yeah, like, uh, you know, there was that one year when they had the like best of visual effects and they just extremely quickly like just shoo them off the stage basically mm-hmm. don't give them time to talk and then that company goes bankrupt like the next like <laughs> in the next couple months because nobody cares it, it, it it's kind of sad they don't they just don't pay attention to enough stuff i say all right well we have you being very open thank you for sharing that with us here on the all show i i don't typically tune into the oscars because I hate to be a old fuddy-duddy kind of guy, Kobe. I don't really watch too much network television, period. And Me as far neither. as I know, the Oscars appears on, I think it was on ABC this year. In fact, I'll just go ahead and call out the Oscars. I was watching ABC right after lunch on Sunday on on broadcast ABC television, and they were already doing an Oscar pre-awards show. And it had to have been five or six hours before the ceremony even kicked off. Now, of course, the Oscars, a lot of people tune in to see what people wear. But, yeah, this year they were on network, not some cable channel, but right there on the dial broadcast going up against, I guess, some racing. There was some some uh, IndyCar racing and going on at the yeah, same my, time. That's what my folks were And I think watching. Fox even had the Talladega race going on. So you could either watch racing or Oscars pre-show coverage. I actually watched that more than I watched the racing. <laughs> I'll admit it. But I did not see the ceremony itself when it got going. And remember, this is coming from Tinseltown, so it had to have been 9 o'clock in the morning when they started broadcasting this stuff on ABC. But the Oscars held over the weekend on Sunday, and the ratings for it were just horrible. I at least saw one of the films that won. All right, we'll talk about that. All right. But as results came in from Nielsen, the 93rd Academy Awards were watched by only 
9.85 billion people. That gave a rating of 1.9 among the 18 to 49 demographic. So that is an all-time low for Hollywood's biggest night by a very large margin. Last year was pretty bad. This year, it ended up being lower than last year. In fact, it's a drop of about 58% in terms of audience from what the previous low of 2020 was when that was aired February 9th of 2020. So people were not watching the Oscars, and we know from the ACM Awards, the Academy of Country Music Awards, which were held just a week prior, people are not tuning into that. I guess, have we come to a point in society where award shows just aren't that big of a deal? I'd say so. I mean, you can just look up the results online and be like, huh, neat. And then that's about it. And not have to watch it for three hours. Exactly. In fact, if there was anything worthy of watching, it would be turned into a YouTube clip or put out on social media and you would have to sit there and... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like a... Back when they did the Golden Globes with Ricky Gervais, I, I've watched tons of those clips. That's really entertaining. And he was commenting on this year's Oscars live, and I didn't see what he said. But, you know, sadly, in today's world, we kind of forget about things five minutes after something happens. He got fired from hosting the Oscars, right? Did he? I, I think so. And I forgot what it was about. Probably for what he said at the Golden Globes. Could have been. I, I could have my award shows, but Ricky Gervais was – sort of live tweeting when the Oscars was going on. You can look that up. But what what we can tell you were the winners of this year's Oscar awards here in this Y'all Show Entertainment Report for you. Best Picture was Nomadland? Yeah. What, what's that about? I, you don't on. know? I, I don't know. That's See, a, you're supposed to know this. Because you're what they call young. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm young, but not necessarily hip. Yeah, Chloe no. Zhao of Nomadland won the Best Director Award. Now, she's the one, I think is from China. And that movie has now been banned from China. Surprise, and, surprise. And, yeah, everything's getting banned from China. The, uh, I mean, Nomadland, a big winner. Best actress in a leading role from that movie. The Frances McDormand winning that. So a, a Judas and the Black Messiah, best actor, Daniel Coulier, something like that, winner of that. And then you had, uh, I know we're going to scroll down here for documentary you saw you told me out of all the documentary contenders collective crip camp the mole agent time and then the winner my octopus teacher that's the one i've seen you've actually seen yeah so tell me about my octopus teacher all right it's just fascinating so i i i don't know about you but i love marine biology just checking it out it's something just fun to watch and of all the creatures that are are there like octopuses and cephalopods you know squids and cuttlefish yeah they're all like super intelligent that's that's and it's so weird because they're on such like an opposite side compared to us like we've got opposable thumbs and these things but they're they don't even have a backbone and sounds like me yeah (laughs) but this documentary is about this guy just detailing these like this daily thing where he just would hang out with his octopus and see it do just these weird, crazy things that you wouldn't expect out of an invertebrate. Like, like it, it, he, there's clips of it actually like playing with like fish and stuff. It's it's just amazing to watch. All right, let me ask you two important questions. One, how did you know about my octopus teacher even coming out? And two, where and how did you watch it? Uh, it's on Netflix. 
I believe it's a Netflix exclusive. That's where we saw it. We just sort of saw it there, and we're like, that looks interesting. and checked it out. So Netflix, a Netflix-only type production, can end yeah. up winning an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, And that might be something that's been going on the last few years, but I'm not aware of it. Didn't the, uh, the Irishman, that was another big one, I think. Didn't okay. that win something like last year? Could have been. Uh, that was also only released on uh, Netflix. All right. More winners, big night for those who won. But again, a lot of these movies and documentaries, people are like, "I have never heard of that thing." I have, I be, and, and, and when you told me that you had seen that one about the octopus, then that was music to some people's ears. At least somebody's watching this stuff. Yeah. I, I have to wonder if they're just making yeah, it's, this it's stuff a, up. It's pretty, pretty film. How about this movie, Minari? It's a look back at a family's American dream in rural Arkansas, and that is a new movie, M-I-N-A-R-I. Have you heard of that one? I have not. Uh, it is about a Korean immigrant family coming into the South and being a part of the Arkansas community. As Minari is a personal film, and it comes to us from writer-director Lee Isaac Chung about his own childhood. Again, growing up in Arkansas. So check that out. It's out out in some places now. Remember, we're seeing more and more movie theaters open up after a shutdown of the coronavirus. But you can go check out this one here that's out right now about a family moving to Arkansas. There's actually been a couple of movies that I saw. Um, gosh, I wish I could tell you the name. There was a movie about a guy, and if you can help me, y'all, 803-816-1170. A family kind of had to relocate to Arkansas, like a witness protection program, because they were involved with the government. I believe Matthew McConaughey might have started that movie, where he was uh, flying drugs back and forth from Iran-Contra. I think I'm right on that, if, you, if somebody wants to hit me up. But it was also had a uh, setting of Arkansas in that film there. But this is the latest Arkansas-themed movie, Minari, M-I-N-A-R-I. Look look at it. It may have a positive, I hope it does, glimpse of a family who comes into the natural state and these. it looks like this family coming in from another country and their acclimation to living in the South and living in America. Well, one lady who's from the great state of Texas – East Texas, to be specific, just outside of Tyler, Miranda Lambert. She actually performed over the weekend, and she got emotional as she performed her first gig after being shut down like so many other artists because of the coronavirus. She sang at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth, Texas, and a video is out showing her in concert. And she said, and she loves the y'all word, and we actually gave her a y'all t-shirt one time, and she wore it. And I have photo evidence of Miranda Lambert in her y'all shirt. She said, it's my first show back in over a year. I miss y'all so much. No matter what I've ever done in my career and what I'm still going to do, somehow I still feel most at home on a bar stool under a neon sign. I walked in here, and I took a little tour around, and I just felt so at home. I remembered why I do this and why I miss y'all's faces. Cover your ears, Kobe. Why I miss y'all's faces so damn much. That from the 37-year-old Texan Miranda Lambert. Um, I might have figured out the movie you were talking about. Uh, So there might be two separate films you're thinking of here with Matthew McConaughey that I looked up. So it's either The Lincoln Lawyer or Mud. 
Is that does that sound about Lincoln right? lawyer? That that one's about. Hmm. Is he the one? Isn't he the one in that one's set in California? Yeah, he rides yeah. around in a Lincoln. That's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. Most uh, of McConaughey, the future governor of Texas, most of his movies yeah. are pretty darn yeah, good. Yeah, they are. I watched him in uh, True Detective. Great in that. Yeah, and I, I actually may be totally wrong with the actor, but I, I tell you, if, you, if you're like me and you're slightly losing it and or you watch a lot of movies, sometimes these things kind of run together. Mud? I'm going to look up Mud. Mud's that, a good one. I've seen that one. All right, what's that about? Uh, that's about – it's a coming-of-age story about these kids that find this uh, guy living out in the wood, played by Matthew McConaughey who he's a fugitive living on this little island and basically they help him uh evade the police and stuff Hmm. it's pretty good i'll have to look up which what this movie was during the break here also want to tell you here on the y'all show if you're looking for something cool to do from the entertainment standpoint a couple of cities in america you might appreciate this kobe are opening up art galleries right now, and you can go to a few places across the southeast for an exhibit out about Van Gogh. Do you know who Van Gogh? Of course, I was? know Van Gogh. I'm just making sure everybody knows. Do you know Van Gogh? Everybody in the art community knows who Van Gogh is. All right. Well, there's an exhibition called Immersive Van Gogh, and it will be in the following cities throughout this year: Charlotte from June 18th through September 12th, in the Music City of Nashville. Later in the year, it will appear there November 4th through February of next year. It will be in Dallas and in Houston in the middle of the summer. In Orlando, you can find it in October. It's this art exhibition all about Van Gogh that will be part of Immersive Van Gogh. A little arts information passed along to you here on the Y'all Show. We kind of try to mix a lot of stuff into a nice, happy home here on Talk with a Southern accent we're not done we got more stuff coming up after the break we're going to take you from entertainment to the entertaining world of social media hashtag color blue is headed your way after this break Tuesday Y'all Show continuing on. John Rawl with Kobe Bennett. And we're glad that you and all y'all have tuned in on great radio stations and or on our podcast options. You can find us at y'all.com. Just go to the y'all show of y'all.com and we're right there. If you miss a portion of the show, it's a free download. Just click on the old button and you'll catch up with this show and more than 400 other y'all shows that have been produced throughout the last few years and of course we appreciate you for taking time here on this edition of the y'all show to listen to what we have headed your way and if you want to be part of the program the number to do that is 803-816-1170 you can text that or call that number 24 7 803-816-1170 in fact a listener has corrected me i got my fellow heartthrob 
mixed up, Kobe Bennett, and I apologize. It was not Matthew McConaughey that started the movie that I was searching for, a movie about a drug runner working in conjunction with the federal government in Arkansas. It was my fellow heartthrob, Tom Cruise, and the movie American Made. Have you seen that one? Uh, I have not. Came out in 2017, directed by Doug Lyman, written by Gary Spinelli. It's about a former TWA pilot. This is based on the true story. Barry Seal, who flew missions for the CIA and became a drug smuggler for the Medellin cartel in the 1980s. And to avoid jail time, he became an informant for the DEA. And this was based in MENA, Mena, Arkansas. It's where this true life deal happened. Again, the movie, it's worth a listen, worth a watch, actually. American Made from Tom Hanks. I don't know if that's on Netflix or Amazon or any of those streaming options, but it's worth a view if you get a chance. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise? Did I say Tom Hanks? I'm sorry. I just watched Band of Brothers last night because it's going off of Netflix here in a couple of days, so I'm trying to... Tom Cruise. Okay. Tom Cruise stars in that movie. American made. Check it out. You can you can thank me later. This is hashtag Hullabaloo here on the Y'all Show. I think my name's John Rawl, and I, I know his name's Kobe Bennett, and we appreciate whoever you are listening and tuning in right now on hashtag Hullabaloo, where, again, this is where we go on to social media and find some of the dangest things out there. Have you ever found dangest things on social media, Kobe? Yeah, I found a few fun things here and there. But a lot uh, of it's a complete waste of time. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, mostly. All right. But we, our crack research team here at the Y'all Show tries to cut out the nonsense here on the Y'all Show and, and get you stuff that we think will be informative and or something that you'll want to share with others. And for that, we'll start out here on our hashtag Hullabaloo with a tweet coming from Face for Audio. That sounds a lot like what you and I would qualify for yeah at face the number four audio face for audio audio book narrator all views are my own well not all but the ones i post here are okay well thanks for clarifying that and they write that they're like the golden girls meet steel magnolias so here we go this is what face for audio is out on social media today telling us about that on audible which is a way for you to get books and such there's a book called dead as a doornail when the fat ladies sing book three this is written by linda kozar narrated by michelle babb and it's from the series when the fat ladies sing again dead as a doornail and it is out right now in fact if i can get this thing to play i will play for you all an audio sample from this book because I know you all want to hear an audio sample from a book here on a Tuesday edition of the show that's all about the South, right? Do you do you like to listen to books? Uh, it depends on the book for the most part. Most of the time I usually just like to read them, though. Okay. Well, let me see if this plays like it's supposed to. Again, this is the audio sample of the book, Dead as a Doornail When the Fat Lady Sing, book three. And the voice you're going to hear here is Michelle Babb. Take it away, Michelle. I said, take it away, Michelle. Come on, wake up. Murder charges. Even hearing the words come out of my mouth didn't make them sound believable. With the meeting about to start, Hudson had to go, so our conversation came to an end, of course, with an 
I love you. I closed my eyes and tried to imagine what Sue Jan was going through right now. In her mind's eye, I knew she was picturing her husband behind bars, wearing zebra stripes, a ball and chain at his ankle. I did a... Okay, I better stop it there just in case, well, in case Michelle says something she's not supposed to say here on the y'all show and she hasn't yet so good for her i I didn't check the rating of this audio clip so just to be on the safe side that just gives you an idea what you can find with the book dead as a doornail when the fat lady sing book three written by linda p kozar narrated by michelle babb and again that was posted on social media and here at the y'all show we're just ambassadors kobe we like to tell people maybe something they might appreciate and and somebody yeah. out there might want to check out Dead as a Doornail. And we thank Face for Audio for sharing that. Moving along here on the Y'all Show, Lisa Lowe Stauffer is on Twitter, at Lisa L. Stauffer. And she is someone who says that she loves, besides writing, coffee. There's coffee and chocolate, she writes. And she says here, she's actually responding to an article from The New Yorker. The New Yorker at New Yorker, which is a publication all around the country, had a post up recently on social media that says it was about how the character as actor Leslie Jordan. Are you familiar with him? Uh, sounds familiar. He is from Chattanooga, and he has been in a bunch of TV shows, and he's been in movies as well. And In fact, he and I got our start on the same show. I can say that truthfully. But Leslie Jordan went from 100,000 Instagram followers to 250,000 to 1.5 million Instagram followers in month, in one month. And he did – how did he do that? How did he go from 100 to 1.5 million Instagram followers in just over a month by posting incredibly savvy Instagram posts from yeah. an Airbnb in Chattanooga? He went back to Chattanooga during the pandemic. And I saw some of these things. He was just being himself and being essentially an idiot, which is what... Yeah, I mean, that's what you need to do to get famous on the internet. (laughs) But here, this guy's somewhere around 70, I think. But he was doing this back in his hometown of Chattanooga. Leslie Jordan, and I'm not kidding, I had never seen or heard of Leslie Jordan until about uh, 2005. He was on a show on the E! Channel, E! Entertainment, and I was on that same show. We both went out to L. Well, he might have been living there. They invited me to go out to Los Angeles and appear on this show that they were doing about the South called the 50 Steamy Southerners, I believe is what it was called. I've actually tried to find YouTube clips of it and have not been able to find it quite yet. But I was on that show as a contributor, and so was Leslie Jordan. And 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 he he was on there a lot more than me. I think he did... He was a little bit more funny than I was. I was actually trying to be serious. They asked me about people. I was be very serious. He was being a clown, and they used his clips more than they used my clips. But, but that's how I ended up uh, being alongside Leslie Jordan 15 years ago on the E Entertainment Channel. Again, I don't think it's out on YouTube. Somebody must have deleted all the evidence of that show. But it was good to see E Entertainment giving the South a nice two-hour show, as that show was. I had a big... I remember I had a big viewing party. It was actually kind of depressing, Kobe. I had people come over for a big party of my premiere on this E! Entertainment show. And a friend of mine who wrote for my magazine, I got her involved with it too. And they actually had her on the show. She did a great job. 
they didn't have but one clip of me in that entire two-hour show, and my clip was about seven seconds long. So I went. They flew me all the way to Los Angeles. I spent two days out there, had a good time. I did all that for about seven seconds. Now, of course, you're thinking, what a waste. Well, it was, but that's the way you had to do it prior to something called uh, Bluetooth, uh, not Bluetooth, uh, uh, Zoom. You know, yeah. these days they would have just zoomed me in. The whole show would have been done via Zoom. But in the old days, you had yeah, to go. You had to go there. You had you, to get have them fill yeah. me up. And, and they, I, I did benefit from makeup and hair and all that. Uh, that was my one time on E. Never again. Never again. All right. So, yeah, check out Leslie Jordan, an actor. Again, you've seen him. I think he was on Evening Shade. I think. I think he was on that. But just Google him. He's he's had a long history of being on TV shows and and more. All right, one last thing to pass along here on the Y'all Show. This comes to us from Hunter Watson at Hunter Watson COA. And according to Hunter, they're an actor and entrepreneur. All right, let me tell you about Hunter Watson, okay? Hunter Watson is an actor. This is also an actor from the South. This guy is actually from North Alabama, grew up in the Muscle Shoals area. But he wrote the other day at Hunter COA is his Twitter account. Last day back in the heart of Dixie. Hashtag born and bred. Hashtag heart of Dixie. And the picture of Hunter has a picture of him with his hat turned backwards as he's as he put on his tweet. Last day back in the heart of Dixie. So Hunter Watson. Who is Hunter Watson? In late 2016, Watson gained some notoriety among TV fans for appearing on zombie on the dra- zombie drama phenom The Walking Dead as a member of the Saviors, a gang led by baseball bat-wielding villain Negan. The long-haired Florence, Alabama native has also received exposure as a fashion model, including a breakout turn at the 2015 Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. So check it out. Hunter Watson, are you familiar with The Walking Dead? Have you seen that? I've seen the first few seasons. Okay. Well, there's a guy named Hunter Watson from Lauderdale County, Alabama, as a part of that evidently episode on uh, the cast as a member of the saviors a baseball bat wielding oh negan negan did i say his name wrong i don't think so well negan is not this guy that but he was part of a gang yeah the gang led by negan yeah the the saviors yeah so I, i missed i missed this one but hunter watson check it out and he was proud to be back in his native heart of dixie and he shared that with everybody on social media. And here we are on the Y'all Show sharing it with all you as a part of the show that loves our Southern actors, whether it's Leslie Jordan or this fella here from the Shoals. Good to have them back, making great films and great TV shows and never losing sight of where they call home. That would be the 16 states of the South. We've got more of the Y'all Show that we call home, and it's coming up. We've got a look at more headlines from across the southeast. As the, In fact, we've got a, a tease here, Kobe. Somebody in Oklahoma broke into a restaurant and took – what did they take? They took some chicken. A whole some, lot of chicken, right? Trash cans full of chicken. <laughs> a church's chicken. Can you imagine that? We'll tell you – exactly what happened there in Oklahoma when the Y'all Show continues on after this break. You don't want to miss it.
decided that we'd go fishing one time. So we drove to the lake with my brand new bass boat. I brought the fishing poles, the pork and beans, the saltine crackers and the canned sardines. And Harold brought all the booze one man could tote. <laughs> While I loaded the boat and filled the tank and tried to get that motor to crank, Harold just sat there sipping on a long neck beer. While I was steering the boat and tying the plugs, he was drinking moonshine straight from the jug. He was singing melancholy baby when we left the pier. (laughs) Never go fishing with a man who has been drinking, cause things just might not work out like you wish. Just leave that fool at home to drink, he just as happy fishing in the kitchen sink. Don't go near the water with a man too drunk to fish. Thank you, Mr. Barksdale. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Kobe Bennett is in with us. We've got Art Cruz coming in our number three on the show that covers everything Southern, presented by Y'all, the homepage of the South. And speaking of that website, in just a few, Kobe's going to tell us some stories up at y'all.com that you do not want to miss out on. But right now, we're going to take a quick gander at national headlines and more as we told you earlier in the show president joe biden looks like he's going to sign an executive order to where those working as contract employees of the federal government are going to get a 15 dollars minimum wage to their what they were making around 11 bucks four dollar increase that's not a bad increase kobe bennett no it's not sounds pretty good could you use extra four dollars an hour in your pocket yeah, I could just use any money in my pocket. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Everybody's rolling in dough these days thanks to the stimulus and more. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a good time. It's a great time to be an American. Yes, sir. So $15 minimum wage for federal contract workers as Joe Biden set to sign the executive order. And the president is set to have his State of the Union address on Wednesday. Then he goes to Georgia to sort of promote his agenda if you will on thursday more fallout coming from north carolina as protesters monday night marched on the home of the county attorney there in elizabeth city r michael cox's home following the killing of andrew brown jr and this is in pascatank county north carolina in the northeastern quadrant of that county as protest continues nearly a week after this black man was killed by deputies in the state of North Carolina protests taking place several hours after the family of Andrew Brown Jr. said they were only allowed to see a small portion of police body camera footage of the April 21st shooting. Now, a couple of famous people are involved in this case now. Bakari Sellers, who for a long time has been on CNN, he's a former South Carolina state representative who tried to run for, I think, lieutenant governor a couple of years ago. He's representing the family there in North Carolina. And also, Benjamin Crump has come in from Tallahassee. Benjamin Crump is a person you've seen on the George Floyd case. He's also part of the Trayvon Martin case back in 2014, 2015. And now Crump is on the scene in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, as they declared a state of emergency on Monday there in Elizabeth City. And a story that is really ugly and and getting uglier by the moment also today in texas you might remember amber geiger she's the former dallas police officer 
who killed her neighbor, Botham Jean, in 2018. And today, a court in Texas is scheduled to hear arguments to overturn the conviction of this former Dallas police officer who was sentenced to prison for fatally shooting Botham Jean at his home as they lived in the same apartment complex. And she mistakenly went into his place and, and, and she killed him. And she was convicted in 2019 and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Have you been around apartment complexes a lot in your time, Kobe? I've been around a few. You know, some of them, when I, when I saw this case, it made no sense why this woman would kill this guy. I mean, she had been a Dallas police officer. She didn't even know him. Yeah. But I've been in apartment complexes to her defense, and it's pretty confusing. Even if, let's say you live, I had a cousin who lived on the fourth floor of a apartment complex and i didn't after you climb up two, you kind of think i'm on now on the third one or i'm on the fourth one it, it, it get especially if nobody really takes the time to decorate their units and they all have no welcome mats no things yeah. on the doors they just kind of end up looking the same especially if you're not really paying attention i mean that's happened to me with the dormitories down at union university where uh been walk where i've just been short of building and i've like (laughs) just been standing there trying to open with this key that won't work and i have no clue what's happening then i realize it's not my it's not even my building so gosh that's pretty dumb yeah but you know what i've done the same thing so you're not you're not alone there but yeah a really uh, difficult story from a few years ago that continues to make headlines across the southeast all right, moving along with more headlines from across the southeast here on the Y'all Show. And this comes to us from Middle Tennessee. The CEO of a company in Williamson County has been terminated following his posting on social media or what he said to ridicule someone on social media. This CEO fired after ridiculing a Tennessee teen over his prom dress. That's right, I said his prom dress cell phone video which was taken saturday and posted to social media platforms shows a male high school senior being ridiculed for wearing a dress to the prom now this is for dalton stevens a senior at franklin high school home of the rebels in franklin tennessee and he wanted to wear a dress to the prom and his boyfriend said that he was happy with that and such. I I don't know what all he said there, but here's the reason this is a story. While these two fellows were at the Harpeth Hotel in downtown Franklin taking pictures, again for the prom, a man identified later as Sam Johnson walked up to Stevens and ridiculed him for his attire. And evidently, according to the accusations, slander was thrown at him, saying he looked bad and just, just ugly things. Well, here's the problem. This grown man who was yelling at this teenager going to prom ended up being the CEO of a local telemedicine company called Visuel, and Visuel terminated Mr. Johnson on Monday as you just don't need to do that. Yeah, just don't – mind your business is yeah. all I got to say. Well, don't. Visuel put a statement out on Twitter Monday condemning Johnson and his remarks, saying in part, we share the concerns that so many have expressed on this matter and look forward to announcing concrete steps we're taking in support of the LGBTQ community in particular over the coming weeks. It doesn't matter if the guy was a uh, the young man was a boy, girl, whatever. A grown person doesn't need to be ridiculing any kind of kid. Yeah. And that's what the case was here coming out of 
Franklin this week. All right. Oh, I might have to get back to Mississippi soon. You know why, Kobe? You know what's going on in the Magnolia State? What? Starting July 1st, Mississippians are going to be able to order delivery, not for food, but for alcohol. Heck yeah. Yeah, House Bill 1135 signed into law by Tate Reeves. It allows stores that sell wine, beer, and liquor to apply for a delivery service permit that could bring drinks right to their doorstep. We had Jerry Short on our Monday Y'all show, and he delivers with a national food app, delivery app, whatever they're called right now, food only, and lattes and things like that. But he can start delivering mixed drinks, I guess. Alcohol delivery is now permitted in Mississippi where customers can place orders online or over the phone instead of walking in and out of the store. For all you, (coughs) sorry, Baptists out there, you don't have to go to the liquor store anymore. You can just have it delivered to your doorstep in a nice brown paper bag. That's pretty good. That is pretty good in Mississippi. I'm not aware of other people, other states having this. I'm sure it probably is in effect in other states. But, yes, you can now order beer starting July 1st in Mississippi. Alcohol delivered to your doorstep through some of these apps. Pretty neat if you're into that kind of thing. And, finally, this comes to us from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Police said a break-in at the church's chicken there in Oklahoma City was was not a good thing, and now they've got surveillance video of this. Kobe, tell me more about churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So what happened was some a man just showed up, broke the glass door, and at the church's at the church's chicken, and then just walked out with bags of uncooked raw chicken, and then the police then got a similar call from a KFC. Uh, just down the street. And then they later caught the guy. Uh, his name was Dion Tucker. and uh, He was tuckered out. Yeah. And he was uh, caught dragging a trash can filled with all this chicken. Um, I got a couple theories as to why he would want to steal chicken. Uh, yeah. Either A, he was hungry. B, possibly I he might have had some big pet or something, or something he was trying to feed. Uh or he was, or he was on drugs. Yeah, um, that, that, that. that's yeah. probably the number one thing because he yeah. was also arrested on uh, drug charges. So uh, I tell you what, Kobe, you you should go work for the police, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. But yeah, this guy dragging a trash can full of raw chicken in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Where's sticks when you need them? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. You do? I, I know. Sticks is a guy that was on Live PD, and he was from the Tulsa Police Department. Oh, yeah, yeah, until yeah. they canceled cancel culture canceled live pd but sticks there if y'all know who that guy was tatted up muscular guy yeah investigator yeah, yeah. there in tulsa he needs to get a hold of the chicken vandal and find out what he was and i'm sure i'm sure in my own investigation i would determine this guy was on something make a sticks spinoff series yeah you know? there you go I like it. Kobe Bennett, thank you for the headlines. We're not done with Kobe. When we come back after this break, Kobe's going to go to the pages of y'all.com and tell us what is up at the home page of the South. And we got Art Cruz coming up in just a few minutes here on the show that's all about the South. Stay tuned. You off my mind for 
life I left behind And all those dreams that won't come true All right, we're wrapping up Hour 2 of Y'all, and Kobe Bennett is in one last time with us. We have a southern accent coming from Kobe in Hour 3, but hey, Kobe with y'all.com. What's happening at the homepage of the South, Mr. Bennett? All right, we got two stories here. We got, first of all, uh, we're talking about SpaceX. You know, they launched from Florida uh, April 23rd. Early on April 23rd. Yeah, like early, early in the morning, morning like 5 in the morning, yeah. uh, 549. And uh, it's the Crew Endeavor, and they're it's they're making their next trip to the International Space Station for a six-month uh, periodical up there. And uh, this will be the first time they've reused one of their rockets, uh, or the first time they've reused this specific rocket, uh, the Endeavor, uh, to make this flight. So, you know, SpaceX, they've made it their goal to be able to actually reuse these space capsules these spacecraft what blew up the other week something blew up was that spacex some some kind of it didn't obviously have any human beings involved with it but some some kind of malfunction happened a few weeks ago and and then we find out this actually had astronauts on it heading up to the space station that successfully launched yeah yeah i'm looking at it right now so they apparently had a test flight explosion uh um about a month ago yeah something like that. yeah March 30th, it looks like. So. Yeah. All right, Kobe, that's a good story worth checking out. And Elon Musk continuing to amaze us with some of the inventions and such that he's got going on. That's one story. And then you also had posted at y'all.com the sad story about the ship that went down in Louisiana the other week, but more importantly, the recovery effort and the Cajun Navy in its involvement. So, yeah, you know, off the coast of Louisiana – a lift boat went uh, capsized, and mm-hmm. a lift boat was called the Seacore Power, and 19 crew members were aboard, and thus far, six have been rescued, and six have been uh, bodies have been discovered of the deceased. And, and I assume everybody's perished at sea, those that they didn't find. Well, that, that's the thing, is they're still searching for people for, for closure, as well as just, you know, the just to be sure, you know? Yeah. And so joining in that rescue effort is the United Cajun Navy, which is this nonprofit organization that's all about providing disaster relief, you know, like during – after Louisiana has been hit by like a brunt of disaster, you know, Katrina and all that. Mm-hmm. They help with all that. And uh, the, it's mainly to raise awareness because uh, they need the fund there uh, the, to pay for all the fuel for their – for their boats and stuff and aiding them right now is ronnie adams from the hit show uh, swamp people on the history mm-hmm. channel and uh and he's instructed people if even if they're deceased we just want to find their bodies that's all we're asking for uh, he said on a facebook video all right well that story up at y'all.com and more coming from kobe bennett we've got a southern accent coming from kobe bennett in a few minutes on hour three of today's y'all show but kobe good stuff great to have you in and we look forward to following what all you got at the homepage of the south thank you sir anytime all right and we've got art cruz standing by and he's coming on in our number three of the y'all show he's going to talk about the second amendment and the supreme court a case headed to the high court in the coming months we'll have information on that plus some baseball news from art cruz as the show that covers everything all about the south is headed your way hour three next
Hey, we're the Y'all Show. Hour three has arrived. John Rawl and Art Cruz here for this third hour of the show, all about the southeast of the good old U.S. of A. If you want to be a part of our show, 803-816-1170. That's the way to get in touch if you have a text or telephone call that you'd like to make here on Y'all. We've got some sports news we're going to be passing along your way here in this third hour of All Y'all Talk. And then we also have Kobe Bennett filing a Southern Accent Report on the arts here. Not Art Cruz, but on the arts. That's headed her way here on today's Y'all Show. Art, not the arts, but Art Cruz is back with us. Hope your day is going well, sir. Doing great, John. How are you today? I'm uh, excellent, excellent. Uh, kind of a busy day here at the Y'all Show, having both Kobe and now Art in. The we got the A's and the C's. That sounds like my academic career. Yeah, I had to fight his his fan club i had to fight them off in the parking lot even to get in the studio oh is that why you're a little bloodied you know he kobe has so many fans out there it was really difficult getting in here but i made it and here we are i know most people who are listening to us are only hearing us so they don't get to see the uh the flow that kobe's got he's got a pretty good head of hair i'm kind of envious well, you're not as envious as I am, John. Uh, <laughs> I had, I had a, I was looking at some pictures the other day, and I had a nice head of hair before I started law school. But those three years did something to the top of my head, and I live with it to this day. Did they do something to the uh, interior of your head? Well, that, that that's why I say yes, and that's why I say even to this day I'm a recovering attorney. Ah, well, we're glad that you're recovering right here on the. Y'all show Art Cruz in with us, and we'll go ahead and jump into, we're going to put your legal career in focus here. We were here on the air Monday. A story broke about the Supreme Court and the Second Amendment. That got your hair, pardon the expression, your hair up. And I know you've done some research. Good Lord, you brought in a whole briefcase full of documents. What's going on, Art? Oh, that did pique my interest a bit, John. I just wanted, I didn't know when you raised the issue on the show the other day, what precise issue the Supreme Court would be hearing. And I have read a couple of stories. I, I won't, won't say I've done a lot of research, uh, uh, but I have read a couple of stories. Um, because I didn't plan to have to brief the case. Um, if my law school professor was going to cross-examine me, I, I probably would have read more. But uh, I'm not afraid of you, John, so I can, I can, I can fake it if I don't know the answer to the question. <laughs> but no, the, the, the precise question that the Supreme Court is going to answer is this, whether the Second Amendment requires the states to give permits to law-abiding citizens to carry a concealed weapon. Now, we all know that the background of this case is that we have the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, which allows citizens of the United States to keep and bear arms. Now, it is the interpretation of that amendment that has been problematic. Obviously, there are some restrictions on uh, the right to keep and bear arms. You can't keep a bazooka at your house i can't keep a a ma deuce machine gun at my house so there are restrictions on the second amendment we have to look back and read the constitution and interpret the constitution to determine what those restrictions are and therein lies the rub 
in New York, the question, as I said, I don't believe I, I prefaced it today, though. This is a New York case. In New York, they have a law, John, that says that uh, someone who wants to get a carry permit must demonstrate a proper cause. Now, let's contrast that with most other states that allow permits. If you're in Tennessee or Kentucky or or Missouri or most other states, especially in the South, if you want a carry permit, you basically sign up to get one. You may have to take a firearm safety course. But generally speaking, uh, if you're not a felon and if you pass the firearm safety course, you can get a permit. Not so in New York. In New York, the law says that you must have proper cause and they define proper cause as a special need for self-protection. So in other words, John, if I go to the Department of Safety here in, in, uh, in the South most of, and most other states that allow uh, handgun carry permits, if I say I want a handgun carry permit, and if someone were to ask me why, I would say, well, I want it for my own self-protection. That's good enough. But in New York, if you if your answer to that question is, I need to carry a gun for self-protection, that's not good enough. That's not a special need. So the question the Supreme Court is going to answer is whether that special need requirement that the New York law puts on its New York citizens, whether that violates the Second Amendment which gives American citizens the right to keep and bear arms. On Monday night, I tuned in, and maybe you saw the same interview. There was a representative of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association interviewed on one of the cable channels. And until I looked it up here, this has an amazing history. This New York State Rifle and Pistol Association was established in 1871. Right after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're obviously pro-Second Amendment. They had a spin on this Supreme Court decision of taking up this case that what they're – I think I read this correctly or heard correctly. They're in favor of the Supreme Court essentially ruling that on these carry permits or Mm -hmm. carry laws be standardized around the entire country am Mm -hmm. i am i reading that correctly well i think i didn't see the the particular interview that that you're referencing but i would assume that the representative of that organization feels basically the same way i do which is we have a federal standard already and that is the constitution the court just needs to interpret the constitution in a way such that uh there is a standard all across the country. You know, we pass so many laws these days, John. Uh, we, we pass laws in areas where, in my opinion, we don't need to pass statutes. We already have either statutes on the books or we have our constitution or our state constitutions, which address the particular legal problem that's before us. And we just need to not be afraid and go ahead and interpret our Constitution the way it should be interpreted. And if we did, then I don't think we would need states to issue permits. But uh, as I said, I didn't hear that particular interview, but I would assume his stance would be close to mine. All right. Just a quick look around the southeast from what I'm showing here. And if you know different, please correct me, Art, or you, the listeners. But a big part of this Supreme Court decision 
is based on the May carry. Mm-hmm. What what exactly is May carry? The May, May carry laws, I guess, allowing you to have a concealed weapon. Oh, I'm not I'm not familiar okay. with that term. I'm sorry. All right, they have something called reciprocity. 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 That's that's when one state uh, gives full faith and credit to the laws of another state. In other words, if I'm driving in Georgia and I have a Georgia driver's license and I cross over into into Alabama, Alabama would recognize that I'm a licensed driver because they grant reciprocity to those laws in Georgia that would give me uh, a driver's license. And in this context, of course, if you're a licensed permit holder in Mississippi, let's say, reciprocity would mean that any other state in, in the United States would recognize your right to carry a handgun. Okay. I think this is in terms of handguns, but based on the map, I'm looking at full reciprocity. Reciprocity, yes, sir. Okay, sorry. I need to work on my grammar here today. Full reciprocity is in effect in the following southern states, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, North Carolina. Other states have a partial reciprocity those would be Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, West Virginia. Maryland has no reciprocity. What does no reciprocity mean again? Well, that means uh, it's it's like the old days. If you were in your car traveling, you may be a permit holder in Tennessee, but once you cross into Maryland, you're violating the law. You can't even you, have a gun? You can't even have a gun with you. So like uh, in the old days, uh, before reciprocity, every state had its own individual unique handgun carry law as the law has expanded states give reciprocity which means that although let's say mississippi may have its own particular uh handgun law if a tennessee resident has a handgun carry permit mississippi will recognize that so you're safe to travel between those states that grant reciprocity to each other Another buzzword I got from that interview last night that I tuned in was "shall issue." Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? Well, "shall" is a is a is a legal term. If I request that you do something, that's a request. But on the other, on the other hand, if the law says that you shall do something, that's a requirement. That's a prerequisite. And um, I don't know in what context the the interviewer or the interviewee was using the word shall, but uh, in the context that we've raised this morning, uh, what the New York plaintiffs are seeking is a ruling from the court saying, ruling from the Supreme Court, which says that if you're a law-abiding citizen in New York, then New York shall issue those people handgun carry permits. Right now, New York only may issue you a permit. The difference between the word may and shall. Mm-hmm. New York present New York law states that New York may issue a permit if you, as I said earlier, show a proper cause and a special need for self-protection. What the plaintiffs in the New York case are arguing that the Supreme Court rule is that the New York law be declared unconstitutional and in its place a statute uh, be enforced which says that New York shall issue these guns or excuse me, these um, handgun carry permits, whether you show a special need for protection or not. The right honorable Art Cruz here on today's Y'all Show Your 
I guess, uh, guess on how this is going to work out with the Supreme Court? Well, I think the court, and again, this I'm glad you used the word guess, because when you deal with the Supreme Court, although justices may have a liberal background or a conservative background, they're hard to predict. But over the past few years, it seems to me that handgun cases have been the stepchild of the Supreme Court. They have, in my mind, assiduously avoided handgun cases ever since the Heller decision in 2008. Now, the Heller decision in 2008 affirmed an individual's right to possess firearms independent of a militia if you're in your home. I know if these, if you'll read the Second Amendment, John, it says, it mentions in there a well-regulated militia. Some people read the Second Amendment to say that you're only entitled to a firearm if you're a part of that well-regulated militia. The Heller decision in 2008, which was written by Justice Scalia, uh, stated that that is not what the Constitution says, that a person is does have a right to possess a firearm independent of being in a militia while in his home. Now, I'm believe it or not, I am getting around to answering your question about what. Yeah, stop being a lawyer for a minute. Uh, since 2008, it seems to me that the court has avoided taking these firearm cases, and I think the reason the court has avoided taking them is there hasn't been a clear majority that would vote in favor of Second Amendment rights. However. Now that uh, Justice Gorsuch has been uh, uh, has, has now taken a seat on the court, and especially since Amy Comey Barrett has been uh, approved by the Senate and is now a member of the Supreme Court, I think there is a clear 6-3 majority for uh, gun rights in favor of the plaintiffs in the New York case, and I would anticipate the conservative majority would strike down this New York law. All right. Well, that's just our educated guess on what's going on. And I do want to close up with you bringing back a, a word you used to start this segment, bazooka. Right. Uh, okay. You and I both love the Second Amendment. It's great. I'm not necessarily a big gun owner myself, but that's okay. If people want to have them, that's their own thing. Are you okay with people not having bazookas? I'm fine with my, my neighbor not having a bazooka. Yes, okay. I am. So I have to ask this question. I see some of these ar-15s and such that mm-hmm. possibly are even more deadly than a bazooka that that seems like a real challenge well i think you're approaching it uh, if we were debating john i would i would caution you not to approach it from the wrong perspective okay um people say with reference to ar-15s uh, they will say to me art you don't need one you don't need that kind of gun And that's not what the Constitution says, John. It doesn't say that I have to show that I need that kind of gun. The Constitution gives me the right to own a gun. doesn't say I have to show a need. And so you're not entitled, and when I say you, I don't mean you personally, but the government is not entitled to tell me what kind of gun I need before I have a right to own it. The Second Amendment gives me the right to own a firearm, and certainly, in my mind, an AR-15 is well within what the framers had in mind when the Constitution was passed uh, back in the 18th century. You've got a tension here. You have some people who believe that we ought to interpret the Constitution the way the framers meant it 
when they passed the Constitution uh, in, the, in the late 18th century. Those people are called originalists. I happen to be an originalist, John. The other kind of people are, or the people who hold a differing opinion are those people that, that say words that sound good and you, at first blush, may want to agree with them because they say, well, we ought to interpret the Constitution as a, quote, living, breathing document, close quote. And that sounds good. It sounds like we're all ready to have a kumbaya moment and we're going to look at the Constitution and it be a, a, a changing document. But, John, if you look at the Constitution that way, it would only mean that the Constitution would reflect the preferences of the current political majority. And the Constitution is a beacon of light that is supposed to be static. It's supposed to guide our actions down through the years. If we think the Constitution is, quote, outdated in some aspect and we want to change it, we have a way to do that, and that's by constitutional amendment. But the Constitution does not change with the political with the changing political whims of the country. The Constitution should be interpreted the way the framers intended the law back in the late 18th century, and certainly looking at the law the way it was passed, the Constitution and what was on the minds of the framers, a rifle like an AR-15 is well within uh, that class of firearms that that, that in my mind the framers intended citizens to have. Amazing argument from Art Cruz, and if you just heard what he said and you like what he said, you actually can go back and hear this all again. It's at y'all.com. Just go to our Y'all Show page on y'all.com, and every one of our shows is put right there for you to listen. We're also in iTunes. So if you heard what Art just said and you said, oh, yes, amen, or you hate what he said, I don't care. We just want you to hear it. You can go to y'all.com and find the Y'all Show and hear this show or any of the more than 400 other Y'all Shows that we have produced. Very good case. Now, the case might get a little bit trickier after this break because, Art, you're going to have to file your brief against Major League Baseball because there's some stuff going on there that you're not too happy about. That's coming up here on the show that covers everything Southern. Lots of sports talk headed your way next. Y'all talk with a southern accent looking at some Major League Baseball action taking place on this Tuesday. The Twins and the Indians get together along the banks of the Ohio, or the Lake Erie, sorry. I'm thinking of Cincinnati. My apologies there, Ohio. Kansas City and Pittsburgh get together today, New York and Baltimore. Also facing off in in Buffalo on the banks of, I guess, whatever that would be. Yeah, that would also be Lake Erie, isn't it? I'm Art Cruz, I don't know how you did it at maps, but I, I, I fancy myself as a pretty good map reader. And Toronto, they ought to be playing in Toronto, but instead they're playing in upstate New York. They've got the Nats for an interleague matchup today. 
The Bean Eaters of Boston will be taking on the New York Mets in an interleague matchup. ESPN's got that one. Oakland and Tampa Bay get together. The Cubbies and the Atlanta Braves are back at Truist Park today. The Miami Marlins and the Brewers get together in Wisconsin. The Phillies and the Cards together at Busch Stadium. The Los Angeles Angels and the Rangers are together. The Tigers and the Chicago White Sox play today on the south side. Seattle and the Houston Astros have a game, as well as the Padres and the D-backs. Rockies at the San Francisco Giants and the Reds and the L.A. Dodgers coming off a series loss to the San Diego Padres. Talking baseball and more with Art Cruz and Art, I'm sitting here telling you about all these scores and stuff, and you don't seem very happy. Well, I'm just thinking that if you're an Indians fan, instead of referencing Lake Erie, they probably would want you to reference uh, on the banks of the Cuyahoga. River. Yeah, that too. Uh, but I think I think the, the lake I know is right there. It is. It is. I, I don't know where the Cuyahoga is in relation to downtown Cleveland. And you mentioned the Nats. I, I, I laugh every time I see the Washington Nationals play because I think they have the goofiest looking uniforms in major league baseball and the reason i think that john is that w on their caps and that w on their jersey looks like they're sponsored by walgreens it looks like uh, i mean it's it's identical uh, (laughs) identical but to the nats credit that goes back to the old senators it does go back to the old senators but i can't help but feel when uh, when a team is playing the washington nationals it looks to me like they're playing walgreens in some industrial league softball game but <laughs> be that as it may yeah um no you wanted uh you mentioned talking uh, some baseball and some the, baseball is changing some rules or i can't say they're changing some rules what baseball does many times john before they implement a rules change is they they try rules changes out in the minor leagues. Uh, they use the minor leagues as their test tube for these rules changes, and if they work out, there's a chance that they'll be implemented in the major leagues. However, however, they're messing with my game, John. They're really messing with my game. And there are some absolute truths in this life that you just don't mess with. Now, how am I going to connect absolute truth and baseball? Well, sit back. I'm going to exercise here my privilege go. as a lawyer yes, sir. and be long-winded here. Absolute truth. Now, what is absolute truth? Now, if you talk to uh, some people, they will tell you that absolute truth does not exist outside of, outside of God. They would say that absolute truth is God and Jesus Christ. Or if you're a Buddhist, uh, you would get an answer along the lines of Buddhism. The same if uh, uh, no matter what religion you are. But absolute truth, if you look for the boilerplate definition of absolute truth, it's something that is true in all times and in all places absolute truth for instance there's no such thing as a round square all squares are square all circles are are round you can't have a round square that's an absolute truth to some people so you've got people that think absolute truth doesn't doesn't exist outside the realm of god you have other people who say that well there is some absolute truths those truths that exist no matter the circumstance there are no square circles and then 
you have other people who believe that absolute truth exists, but it's hard to define. I'll take you back, John, and please just get another cup of coffee and light a cigarette. I will I will tie this up in the end. Hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom for about 30 minutes. I, uh, I feel promise, free. I promise you. I remember one time in my philosophy class as an undergraduate at the University of Tennessee, our philosophy teacher was talking about absolute truth. And People were slow to grab the concept. So the example the philosophy teacher used was, he said, all right, somebody tell me, is time an absolute truth? And so he asked a question of one of my fellow students. He said, what time is it? And the student said, what's 315? And our teacher said, and I never will forget, he said, no, you've told me what your watch reads. You haven't told me what time it is. And there you get into the, to the discussion of Plato and what is real and what is ideal. Time is something different than what your watch says. So here we are back at baseball. There is one absolute truth. And this same philosophy teacher that I'm speaking of, at the end of the discussion that day, someone asked the teacher, Professor Malden, is there an absolute truth? Professor Malden was a Southern Baptist minister, by the way. Hmm. uh, Alfred North Whitehead fan of philosophers, a very interesting guy. And he was asked, is there an absolute truth? And Professor Malden says, yes, there is an absolute truth. 90 feet between the bases in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the way I feel about things, John. Absolute truth in baseball. I don't care if it's 1850 when the game was first being invented or 2021. If you hit a two-hopper to the shortstop and he catches it cleanly and throws the first, if you're the runner, you're going to be out by a step and a half. And the reason you're going to be out by that much is 90 feet has always been the space between the bases. But they are messing with that, John, and I don't like it. One of the rules that they're trying at the minor league level is making the bases bigger. Not necessarily saying they're going to shorten the baseline, but they're making the bases bigger. So, in essence, they are changing 90 feet between the bases. They're changing one of the absolute truths in this universe, John, not just baseball. Can you give me a reason why they'd even experiment with that? They say they want more action in baseball. They want more stolen bases. They want more players being safe at first. Uh, They want more excitement in the game. And some idiot somewhere in New York City decided that if we make the bases bigger, in essence making the baselines shorter, it's going to add excitement to the game. You know, for an old bag of baseballs, a couple of half-smoked cigars, and a dollar and a quarter, I would have told him how wrong he was. But, you know, they didn't ask me. Another thing they're doing, John, is they're thinking about changing the distance between the pitcher and the batter. John, it's always been 60 feet, 6 inches. Always. I wonder why that measurement. Why the 6 inches? John, you have a penchant for asking me questions i don't know the but answer you're supposed to, to be smart and I, I am torn all the time between do i fake this or do i just say i don't know i so thought you know i'm not going to i'm not going to say that i know today i don't know the historical origin of that but they're thinking about that john mm. again why are they doing that because they want 
the batter to make more contact with the baseball and put the ball in play. They think the game will be more exciting. Now, uh, will it work out that way? I, I have my doubts. But there is one thing that I can sort of see their point here, John, because when I pitched, and it was some time ago, uh, admittedly, but I played baseball at a fairly high level. And back when I played, the, quote, average, close quote, fastball in the major leagues was around 88 miles per hour. John Rawl, do you know right now what the average fastball is in Major League Baseball? 98. It is 94 miles per hour. Almost, if you're rounding up, it's 94 miles per hour. The game has changed. Players are bigger stronger and faster than they used to be and your average fastball is 94 miles per hour just think of how many fastballs there are out there that are above 94 miles an hour in order to have the average be 94 and these players these batters are still only 60 feet six inches away from the pitcher they could hit pitchers from 60 feet six inches away when the pitchers were throwing 83 miles an hour or 85 miles an hour or 88 miles an hour. But there reaches a point in time where the ball is coming so fast that strikeouts become a prevalent part of the game, and we may have reached that point. No baseball era has seen more strikeouts than the era that we're presently in. It's almost feast or famine, home runs or strikeouts. It's multifactorial why we're having so many strikeouts now, but one reason is the distance between the hitter and the pitcher has not changed ever, but pitchers are throwing the ball so much harder than they used to. I think that's I know that's one thing they're looking looking at as a matter of fact in the independent Atlantic League this year, the minor leagues. All pitching rounds are sixty one feet six inches away from home plate, not 60 feet, six inches. I think their idea is good. Their intent is good to try to bring more action into the game. I think what they're going to find out, though, is that extra foot, believe it or not, is going to end up with a lot of sore arm pitchers because that extra foot means a lot of difference on a slider, on a cutter, on a curveball. Guys will be trying to throw the ball harder than really their body is capable of sustaining over a period of time. We'll have to see, but it's my prediction, if you're into predictions this morning, John, and it seems as though you are, my prediction is that baseball will not adopt the 61 feet, 6-inch distance between pitcher's mound and home plate. The only change I could see them and only thing I'd be pushing for is player safety, anything they can do to prevent right those awful line drives to the pitcher's face and things like that. I know they've experimented with hats that are like protected and things like that. There are several players that do wear a cap liner. Uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon, a pitcher in the Cardinal organization, was hit in the head with a line drive, I think it was four years ago now, and almost died. And quite frankly, John, you have really hit the nail on the head in terms of player safety. The pitcher's are more unprotected than the hitters are. You see hitters these days, they walk up to the plate and they look like Sir Galahad or from Knights of the Round Table. They've got armor all <laughs> over their arm. They've got a batting helmet on. They've got a face guard on that batting helmet. And I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying that 
hitters are pretty much adequately protected these days from being injured by a pitched ball. Yeah, you can get hit on the hand and break the bones in your hand. You can get hit on the elbow. But on the other hand, there are protections you can wear if you choose to. The pitcher doesn't have any of those options. Other than the the hat liner that you mentioned, John, uh, the pitcher is what I like to say. He's naked out there. When he throws the pitch, when he follows through, he's probably around 57 feet away from home plate. Now, the fastest pitched ball in the major leagues right now is just a little over 100 miles an hour. But the exit velocity, the ball coming off of a hitter's bat, sometimes can go up to 150, 115 miles an hour. So there you're a pitcher. You've just thrown the baseball. You're following through. Your eyes are intent on making sure that you're throwing the ball where you want to. You have no way to protect yourself, and here comes the ball right back at you at 115, 120 miles an hour. Uh, the question is, would that extra foot protect the pitcher? I have to, based on experience, I'd have to say no. I don't think it would make a significant difference. Uh, the question is whether that foot is going to make a difference in the way the game is played from a hitting perspective. I, I think it would, but I don't. I think we're going to have too many unintended consequences to see this implemented all right one quick update from college baseball and softball the ncaa has recommended regional and super regional baseball host here in a couple of weeks to allow no more than 50 percent capacity at the stadiums when those playoffs begin in june of course because of covid good luck 19 there's some places like in Mississippi and other stadiums that fill it up, they're going to be a hard, hard bargain there. More y'all coming up right after this. All right, wrapping things up here on y'all, John and Art. We're talking about what's going on across the southeast and recapping some of the national slash regional big stories out there. Fallout continuing in the state of North Carolina as the attorney for the county in North Carolina that is, I guess, making a lot of people mad at R. Michael Cox. People went and protested at his house on Monday evening this following the killing of Andrew Brown Jr. in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And sure enough, the home of the Pascatank County attorney, Michael Cox, people went there to protest Monday night. Protests taking place a few hours after the family of Andrew Brown Jr. said they were only allowed to see a small portion of police body camera footage of the April first, 21st shooting in eastern North Carolina. And Benjamin Crump is on the scene in Elizabeth City. You also have Bakari Sellers of CNN fame also there. But Benjamin Crump, Art, you were a lawyer. This guy's showing up on every one of these major national cases now. He's like the Johnny Cochran of lawyers. I don't know this man other than to know that he is doing exactly as you say, John. He's showing up uh, on the doorstep of everyone who um, is involved in a police shooting. And unfortunately, as I said, I don't know this man, but 
lawyers like this who go from town to town following the money trail, who are not seeking to do justice, but are seeking to seemingly only enhance their street cred and enhance their wallet. Um, Lawyers like that are certainly the ones that give lawyers a bad name. Again, specifically, I don't know this man. I don't know if he's guilty of this, but it just seems... it's it's not it doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth all right that from north carolina also want to talk to art cruz here as we wrap up our headlines from across the southeast the governor of kentucky has declared this a special week in the bluegrass state as governor andy Bashir says that this week has he signed the proclamation into law if you will he's named this week ed brown society week in the commonwealth of kentucky so go ahead, just like I asked Kobe earlier in the show, go ahead, go ahead and ask the big question. What is the Ed Brown Society? The Ed Brown Society honors the life of Edward Brown, one of the first black people involved in the thoroughbred industry, as he lived in Lexington, Kentucky in the years after the Civil War and was instrumental in his role of getting thoroughbred racing big in the state of Kentucky. He was born into slavery in Lexington in 1850 and became one of the most accomplished black horsemen in the history of thoroughbred racing. And now Governor Andy Bashir of Kentucky naming this man and this week in his honor as we get ready for Saturday. Do you know what's happening Saturday? Uh, they're having a race somewhere up in there, aren't they, John? Yeah, it's called the Kentucky Derby oh, on yeah. Saturday, May 1st. Mm, I thought they were. Yes. Yeah, so get your, your best clothes out. Your best cocktail out, if you will. Your best mint julep. Yeah, that too. And get ready for the Kentucky Derby. But it's Ed Brown Society Week and the Commonwealth of Kentucky as they prepare for the latest running of the Kentucky Derby, which to their credit last year, they had to push the one in May back to September. I think it was Labor Day weekend they mm-hmm. had the Kentucky Derby last year. And and Governor Bashir and those in Louisville and other great towns and cities that support the thoroughbred industry of kentucky are ready for another running of the kentucky derby do you bet on horse racing i I, I try not to wager on things i know absolutely nothing about and horse racing certainly falls under that heading all right well a lot of people make some money on this big thing here this week and we'll find out how it, it goes and we'll let you know on monday the results of the latest running of the kentucky Derby. One more segment left here on the Y'all Show. Hang on. When we come back, we'll close it out here on the show that's all about the South. Stay tuned. Go and she had to go, that's how she wound up. 
All right, Sarah Evans here on the Y'all Show, a Missouri girl who had a connection to the Southeastern Conference. I'm John Rawl with Art Cruz, and Art's over here scratching his head. Do you know oh, that connection no, that I'm, Sarah Evans, I'm country intri- music starlet, had with the SEC? I'm intrigued. No, I don't. She was once married to a guy named Jay Barker. Oh, Vanderbilt quarterback. No, how dare you? Alabama. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Alabama. I, I've tried to, I'm I'm sorry, John. And I, I'm only was, picking on you because there's a big difference between Vanderbilt and Alabama football. Is there, or, or is there? Is there a big, is that absolute truth? That is absolute truth that there is a big difference between those two. I don't know who I got mixed up with there temporarily, but I deserve a, a smack with the back of your hand for saying that. For no, saying okay. Vanderbilt instead I think of Alabama. it's funny, actually, especially if you're a Crimson Tide feeling like, how could he not know that Jay Barker was the 1992 quarterback of the national championship Alabama Crimson Tide and Gene Stallings? Well, you know, your coach wears a pink suit at the That is true. So, uh, but I wear a pink seersucker suit from time to time. But so. I, I'm, I'll never criticize anybody for wearing a seersucker suit, but that atrocity that Nick Saban was sporting around, the only reason I'd wear something like that is if I lost a bet. And, uh, but let's be honest, Art. I, I've got breaking news on the Nick Saban wardrobe front. Okay. I think his wife dresses him. Do you think he's going to take the time to actually pick out what to wear? Well, I, 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 then I was I was saying his, his mama ought to whip his butt for wearing that. But if his wife is the culprit, then his, his wife's mama ought to whip her butt. <laughs> Well, I only say, I mean, not that I study too much of Nick Saban's wardrobe, but I know exactly what he's going to wear every game day. He wears the exact same thing every game day, depending on where the game's played. If it's at Tuscaloosa, since the team wears a crimson jersey at home, he wears a white Alabama shirt, golf shirt type deal. If he's on the road, he wears a crimson colored shirt. His wife doesn't have very much pressure on her when she's picking his wardrobe. Then, no, <laughs> not at all. But, yeah, that's that's my analysis of Saban's wardrobe on game day. I still miss coaches wearing a shirt and tie oh, don't and, I, and oh, a coat. My, oh, thank you. you. You'd think that coaches, even in today's world where they have the apparel sponsorships, that on homecoming, for example, when they're playing somebody not that important even, in some cases, they would break out the coat and tie. You know, it's, it's even so in the fedora, even a trademark of coaches down through the years. You know, what would Pat Dye be without the short sleeve white shirt and tie, or Johnny Majors with a suit from M.S. McClellan, uh, and Gene Stallings wearing a suit on the sidelines? I so much wish that coaches would express their personality and go back to the days when they wore a suit and tie on the sidelines. And to Jack Del Rio's credit, the Jacksonville Jaguars coach of some ten years ago, oh, he did that a couple times and had to pay fines as a result, and gladly paid the fines to the NFL for not wearing the logoed apparel, saying that it's more important for me to look good on the sidelines than to hawk this apparel. I remember that now. Kudos to Jack Del Rio. And kudos to the former Auburn coach, Gus Malzahn, who this past year did wear the Pat Dye look at least once or twice. He wore the shirt and the the tie and the and Pat the Dye mm-hmm. era cap there, which was kind of cool. But in the end, uh, Gus got got uh, sent packing. But he got sent packing with about $12, uh, $12 million, something like that, in his 
payout uh, he, and got a job immediately. He got paid twelve million dollars within the first twelve months. His uh, his total payout was closer to twenty million, John. So he can buy any kind of cap and, and shirt he wants now. Yeah, Art, you and I, I think I, we went into the wrong profession. Mama always said to be a football coach. Well, to be a fired SEC football coach, specifically. <laughs> they often find new homes. In fact, as we mentioned about the Gus bus, he's now the head coach of the UCF Knights in Orlando. So he ain't doing too bad. Hey, you know what else is not bad? The fact that we've got through another show all about the South, and we're going to be right back here on Wednesday to have fun. We've got Jonathan Lifelight coming on to talk about ACC Sports, the Southern Business Report, and more. Art Cruz will be in as well. Thank y'all for being a part of the show that covers everything South. Our website is y'all.com, the homepage of the South. Art, have a good rest of your day. Thank you, John. Everybody. All right. See y'all.